Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah and I'm Charlie and in today's episode we're going to be talking about chapter 29 of Order of the Phoenix. Oh fucking hell, I just, I can't even remember how the intro goes without Hannah. I'm trying to do this alone and I'm trying to pretend to be Hannah but I'm really hungover. So it's not working because my voice is just really croaky and deep and also I'm so tired and I can't remember how the intro goes because I always make Hannah tell me. Anyway, this is a podcast about um, Harry Potter. Listen and drink. Hiya. Hi. How are you? Really tired, and it's like Thursday. Yes, we it never is. record on a Thursday. But I'm busy all the other days, Charlie. Hannah's so popular with her Anyway, says Charlie, who is busy this weekend, busy next weekend. Yeah, you are. Don't lie. I'm not busy tomorrow. I am. I know. Great. So exactly. here we are on a Thursday recording. We've already had two drinks, which I accidentally made very strong. Yeah, and yeah. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Just, that's that's the level um, of intelligent point that you can expect from me this this evening. So hello, welcome back to another episode. Without guests, you've had three in a row with guests, and now you're back to just the terrible twosome. Yay! Yay. Did you miss us? How okay. are we in general? I'm feeling quite good, actually. Oh, good. I starting a new job soon. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. Um, which is exciting. But you know what's, what's weird what? on this podcast? What? By the time I start this new job, I will have been through four jobs during one oh podcast. Oh my god, you will have. No, we started recording during my first job in London, but we didn't release till my yeah. second job. So during recording, I've worked at four career, four careers, four jobs. This podcast is wild. Weird? That is. Isn't that wild? But what are you getting up to before you even start that new job, Hannah? Oh, I have got some. Uh, so fun fact about me, I've taken no time off this year. And I don't mean that. Like, I've taken no time. I genuinely haven't taken a day off work. So what I've done is crammed all of my time off into the next few months. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, so this weekend, this doesn't matter that I'm saying it because it's going out well after. I'm going up to York with some friends. And then in the time off between jobs, I'm doing a 10 day road trip around Scotland. Mm-hmm. And then three days after I get back from Scotland, Charlie and I are going to Albania. And Corfu. And Corfu. <laughs> yeah, we said we would do it when we hit 200 patrons. We haven't hit 200 patrons. But wait, what uh, are we on? Because we probably will buy them. something. No, but that was the other day. We're on 193. So technically, wait, so, okay, before we go, which is like mid-September, we're not going to say exact dates, but like mid-September, before we go, we need to get seven more patrons because if we don't, we will cancel it. No, we won't. No, we, we said at 100 we'd go to LeakyCon and obviously that didn't happen because of, I don't know, something yeah. called, I think it was called COVID. I don't know if you've heard of it. The Pandoodle. The Pandoodle. Yes, we have restrictions in the UK mean that we can legally travel abroad yeah. because we are both double vaccinated. Woo! Give me an air high five. We did it, guys. We did it, guys. So we're double vaccinated. We've got to do some tests at odd days where mm-hmm. i still don't understand how we're going to do them that's fun but yeah. apart from that yeah we are traveling to albania and we'll be bringing you an episode from, from a, forest. a forest in albania 
Has any podcast gone this far? Probably many. There's probably like touring ones that do it in like different cities. Every I don't time. know if any podcast has gone to any Harry Potter podcast has gone. Oh, to definitely Albania. not. No, no one is weird enough to pick on that random like obscure detail. I keep telling people they're like ah, oh, and then they're like, wait, did you say Albania? And I'm like, yes, Albania. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. We're also going to Corfu. We've turned uh, what could be a two-day podcast trip into a six-day holiday. (laughs) We have. Because we're great. So you'll be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. The episode recorded in Albania will probably not come out until the late autumn, winter, because of timings. But... um. Yeah. We're really excited and we're I finally know. leaving this country. This hellhole. Woo! And doing something that we said we'd do with a podcast, something so random. Yeah, so I thanks, cannot wait. Thanks, Voldy, for uh, choosing to hide out in we, Albania. We're definitely going to get killed by Voldemort when we're there. I think he's already dead. So if anyone has uh, been to Albania or lives in Albania, if you want to send us any tips, tricks or uh, recommendations, yeah. then please email them to us at Goblet of Wine or tweet or, pod, or, tweet pod, or message or, or Instagram. <laughs> any of the ways you can contact us, actually genuinely please, because I'd love to hear from some people who've actually been or lived in the country. Yes, big same. How are you in life? I'm good. good. I moved. You did. Um, Tell I- us your exact address. Okay, it's one, two, three. Uh, <laughs> Do you know I actually used to work at? <laughs> I can say this because that office is now actually closed down. I used to work at one, two, three Buckingham Palace Road, which every time Incredible. I said that to people was like, that's not a real address. You're giving me a fake address. I was like, it's not a fake address. Yeah. Um, I now live closer to Hannah, and yet it takes the exact same amount longer. of time by traveling. I would transport. say longer. Potentially longer, uh, just because London, you Makes know, no sense. It's a ten-minute drive, but like a forty-five-minute public transport minimum. Yeah. So I walked here today, and it took an hour. Good um, exercise, though. Yeah, great exercise, and like a nice walk. But yeah, ridiculous. I moved, and like, I don't know. It was like very stressful. Like moving really is one of the things that like very stresses me out. Yes. But like, I feel like I coped with it really well mentally you, and you i was in a good fine. place and then the past half a week my serotonin went lol bye and then but today i'm fine like the serotonin came back for today so because you were gonna see me obviously the knowledge of my face and the huge spot i have above my lip you were just <laughs> so excited to view it yes exactly that but uh, yeah so hopefully i'm good it's always like when it's like you go like a few days oh yeah without serotonin that you're like Okay, how long is this going to last? Because sometimes it just lasts a few days and sometimes it lasts a few months. And it's always just like, who can tell? (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, God. But no, I feel good today. Good. I'm glad you feel good today. Should we do some uh, Patreon shout outs? I guess we probably should. So, a anatomic bomb. (laughs) Wow. Size thank you to Anika. A shawarma size thank you to Swan and sworn and do i i'm please tell us how to pronounce that and we will correct it i'm so sorry a victoria coach station not victoria tube station (laughs) size thank you to victoria a real estate size thank you to ron's broken wand also fantastic name ron's broken wand just just love it thank Mm -hmm. you a mamma mia 
Here I go again. My, my, how can I resist you? Size thank you to Mia. No, because a few of our patrons on Discord have like started campaigning for us to do a film commentary of Mamma Mia. I would love that. Because of the amount of times we're seeing Abba on the podcast. (laughs) A Geordie Shaw sized thank you to Joffrey. A Leonardo DiCaprio sized thank you to Lewis, who is our new producer level patron. And a sex swing size thank you to Sophie. We have a new review from Sparky Puff who says, Podcast crack, five stars. This podcast is insane, insanely bingeable. I think I've gotten through all the episodes in under two weeks. That is actually terrifying. There's mm-hmm. a lot of episodes. It's gotten to the point where the voice inside my head sounds like Hannah and Charlie. It's still hard to tell their voices apart. They never fail to make me laugh out loud. The chaos of two drunk British girls nitpicking at all the deeds of Harry Potter is unmatched. Not for the faint of heart, lol. I love how you were actually... For, sometimes I think the reviews are just left for us and then I realise a lot of people leave them for other people to read. Yeah. And I like that it ends with not for the faint of heart, lol. Lul. 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 The other thing. The other thing. That hopefully people haven't skipped the intro past. We're doing a thing. We're doing another thing. We're packing our summer full of things because we couldn't do them before. For the past year and a half. For the past year and a half. (laughs) So we are doing the first of what we hope is an annual occurrence on this podcast. The Goblet of Wine London Pub Crawl. Mm -hmm. This was originally going to be a Weatherspoons pub crawl, but then the owner of Weatherspoons was a giant dickweed. I mean, he always was, but he even more and we decided we could not in good faith do a charity event that went round yes. his pubs so instead we decided on the harder version of this and we are doing the Monopoly pub crawl if you haven't heard of this it's where you go around every pub in a spot that is featured on the London edition of the Monopoly board Now, for this, we are not including the train stations because it's our first year doing it. But if it goes successfully, edition two or three of this will be including the train stations. But there are other versions of London pub crawls we have in mind. So if you can't add up, which I can't... 22. (gasps) That's many. 22. And pubs open at 10am and close at 11pm. So we have to get (laughs) to 22 pubs around London... In, in that hours. Now, you may think, that doesn't sound like a charity event. Well, it is. <laughs> yes. You motherfuckers have to pay us to do it. Um, yeah, so we both have picked a charity each. Um, so in the link of this episode description and also on our social media, uh, there will be a link to donate and then we'll split the money in two between the two charities that we've picked. Hannah, what charity have you picked? In honour of this year's series and the amount of messages uh, we got after... I talked about dementia and Alzheimer's during the Neville Hospital chapter. I have decided for half the money to go to Dementia UK, who do amazing work in this country in supporting people with dementia and Alzheimer's and their families. And I have picked, in honour of trying somewhat to assuage our guilt (laughs) over running a Harry Potter podcast, uh, to give the other half of the money to Mermaids, which is a charity that supports... um, Gender diverse youth. 
Now, you may be thinking, are you asking us for money to then spend it all on a pub crawl? No. no. The we're, we're money that we spend ourselves. on the pub crawl will be entirely paid for yes. by us. We will also be giving, giving personal sums of money to the two charities. But if you would like to kind of join us in this charity event, as we said, there'll be a link for donations in the end. And we will be making a video of the whole day, which is not will not be exclusive for patrons, it will be exclusive. It will be for everyone on YouTube that will release afterwards of us trying to do the Monopoly pub crawl. Yeah, I say trying. We have to do it because we've yeah. said it now, and it's for charity. Yeah, I have calculated. I have done a spreadsheet uh, that we she can has. spend twenty minutes per pub if we allow forty to forty-five minutes in the pubs for lunch and dinner. Yeah, and bear in mind that you have to like drink a drink. Yes, we have to drink a drink. So the rule, I think, is um, the minimum amount we can drink is a half pint. Can you not do a shot? Yes, but I mean like... Oh, in terms there's of There's like, more alcohol in a shot than a half pint. Yeah. Oh, so you mean in terms of like unit percentage, whatever? Like, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we have to drink a drink in 22 <laughs> in 13 hours. Because and travel between exactly. them. That's Some what of them realize. have 40 minutes traveling time. Yeah. Uh, Neil will be along with us not drinking the amount we do because he will be cameraman organising man and also like steering us (laughs) steering us we also have assorted friends dropping in along the way who we're going to also be asking to donate bits of money to kind of join us on the journey Mm mm-hmm it's going to be... Yeah, but yeah, we'll be releasing a whole video on YouTube, which you don't have to donate for. You could watch the video and then donate. Donations will still be open afterwards. Um, but we're hoping it'll be a really fun annual event to also kind of show off some different pubs in London and things like that and give you a little tour of London. But yeah, that is coming up at the end of September. So after you listen to this episode. Um, so keep an eye on our social media as well, because I'm sure there'll be some Instagram stories on the day where we're like, I don't know, f- dying on a pavement somewhere Probably or something. crashing Boris bikes. We're not riding Boris bikes. Oh my God, Charlie says that between one of the pubs we have to ride a Boris bike. We do. We We absolutely do. No. I don't think the entire day counts if we don't. Wait. You just told me earlier in the day that you want to take an adult bike proficiency course. Yes, because I don't know how to ride a bike. Well, (laughs) no, I do. I just haven't in a while. If one person, as in one singular person, donates... A hundred pounds, we will do a Boris bike between pubs. Be like just one pub, not like the entire day. But at one point, we will go on bar. Don't Boris pressure bikes. someone. If to... one, if one singular person, I don't want to pressure someone to donate a hundred pounds. Oh, I do. It's for a good cause, Hannah. Well, it is. Yeah, but... us dying on some Boris bikes. I didn't. I didn't. I did. All my all my calculations are done by buses. I, d- I didn't factor in Boris bikes. I'd have to redo the timetable for a hundred pounds, Hannah. I would redo the timetable for a hundred. Yes, exactly. Anyway, the donation link will be in the description with all the details of how we're doing it. And yeah, we'll talk about it a bit more in the episodes kind of surrounding it. I'm sure the episode after it will um, talk about how it went. But yeah, yeah, we're really I'm so excited. This is one of the things I'm most excited for. Anyway, shall we get on with the episode? Alcohol. What? Yeah. What are we drinking? What? I do not uh, know. Well, let me just finish preparing. I know. For that you. It, wait, can I guess what it is? Yes, if you want. Oh, no. She's got squirty cream out. And yes, British people cool cream in a can squirty cream whipped cream no it's squirty cream it's whipped cream no whipped cream is when you whip it by hand i had a look at the can it literally says squirty cream for context what's happening right now the shot (laughs) the the shot looks like the world's weakest latte and she's currently putting squirty cream on top do you know what this is it smells like all i can smell is like 
toffee kind of. Mm. So today's alcohol comes from Kristen, uh, a producer level patron who asked that we drink a buttery nipple. (laughs) (laughs) A buttery nipple contains uh, one ounce of butterscotch liqueur, one and a half ounces of Baileys uh, topped with whipped cream. I mean, that's sounds amazing and, and what as a al- name as always when someone gives us a shot we've also got a long drink to drink during recording and halfway through I'll make us another one because what I was complaining about earlier this is meant to be um, separated it's meant to have a line in it oh. you know when shots like float yeah, on top yeah, yeah. of each other I did it wrong to do that you meant to like pour it over the back of a spoon and it should hold it oh, but I, I didn't know that yeah. so I'm going to try halfway okay. through cheers. cheers that was world biggest shot it wouldn't fit in my mouth <laughs> Oh my god, that is so good. Mm, I'm literally licking it. Yeah. I'm licking the buttery nipple. <laughs> I do like a buttery nipple. So I'll make another one halfway through to drink in between that. So when we did the episode for Postulus, we made margarita from scratch, but Charlie also found in like TK Maxx a bottle of pre made. I did. Yes. Not tequila. I'm what really am I talking classy. about? Um, margarita, margarita, mix. margarita mix. So I've added that pre made margarita mix to the leftover tequila from Postulus. Okay, wait. We've already had two fireballs. Now we've had a shot and now we're having like dodgy margaritas yes, with I tequila. Have get, in. I have to get a train at 10 30 tomorrow. I've yeah, got a question for the room. Do people. Who like... is in the room apart from me? I mean, the listeners. Mm. Do people like. Are you interested? Do you look forward to hearing what we're drinking? Or is it like you just like the podcast and that's just another thing we do and you don't really really care? That is actually a good question because to me, it's one of the funnest things about organising the podcast is the alcohol. Same, but like, are people just like, oh God, now they're saying what they're drinking yet? But like, are you like. Has anyone ever made something we've drunk that you hadn't tried before? Or do you do it on a regular basis? Because that would be really fun. Yeah. Do you like hear what we're listening? Does anyone regularly hear what we're drinking? Like, pause it and go try and make something similar or something? Yeah. Other podcasts. Steady Cook. Other podcasts who are more organized than us release what they're drinking a few days beforehand. Maybe we should start doing that to let people buy the we ingredients could. we could anyway chapter 29 career's advice career's advice it's the easter holidays it it do be do can they go home in the easter holidays because no one ever seems to it doesn't ever seem to be a question yeah i don't know it's pretty weird isn't it yeah harry and ron are letting hermione draw up revision timetables for them because in harry's words it might come in useful the thing is I this would not have been me in high school it kind of would have been in that like so I learn best when I teach other people things so I used to like teach my friends as their like revision I would teach them subjects even if I wasn't necessarily better at them it was just that that's how I learned I learned by teaching sure but so I wouldn't have made like revision timetables for them but now now that Notion is a thing that I'm obsessed with you can guarantee if I was in high school now I would be making everyone revision timetables on Notion you just know I would I would be forcing it on people I mean I made my own revision timetable but yeah I made my own but like I wouldn't have done it for my friends but now I'm saying I would have because I just Notion has cracked me also we really need to get Notion to sponsor the podcast yeah we really do for anyone that doesn't know Notion is the most amazing like productivity tool in the world and like note-taking system i actually I am... think charlie is secretly sponsored by it for the amount she talks about it just in her personal no, but life je- the amount of people in my personal life and like work life and stuff that i have gotten to use notion because i just talk about it non-stop like it's honestly i just as an individual have you ever se- seen i think it's called like 
Keeping Up with the Joneses. It unfortunately has Amber Heard in. But aside from that, it's when I say it's a good film, I mean it's a terrible film, but in sure. a really cheesy good way. Yeah. It's about a family that are like planted into like kind of middle class, upper middle class neighbourhoods in America. Sure. And they're not a real family. They're all like kind of like stage actors. But their job is to seem like the perfect family and have all of these like material possessions sure. to essentially be like kind of like guerrilla marketing to like make all their neighbours try to keep up with the Joneses so that you know they get a fancy car and then their neighbours all get like better fancy cars to try and like keep up with them like things like that right and it's yeah this like feel like you know like made up film about it is really cheesy and bad but like what if I was that what if I'm not a real human being I'm just like a plant to sell everyone in my life on Notion I would believe it like also in Community, which you won't have seen because you suck, when um, there's someone that it's like a guy. And I can't even remember. I think it's supposed to be like, not Starbucks, Subway. And literally his name is Subway and his job <laughs> is just there. He is Subway. <laughs> I just love Harry and Ron's arrogance of being like, oh, it might come in useful. I'm like, and yet of course you it will. let her do it. But you yep. know, the, as they say, it makes her happy. <laughs> yeah. And also like Harry is just being bad moody as fuck. Oh, yeah. So... The memory that Harry saw in Snape's pensieve is eating away at him, which, like, I get. We've spent five and a half books, four and a half books, <laughs> I know. <laughs> four and a half books of Harry really idealising his parents, which I know we've criticised him for, but it's totally understandable because, mm. A, he's well, a no, child. No, no, not idolising him idolizing his parent well no there's a bit more of his mum stuff in the books we've talked about the whole him her coming out the thing first actually in the original version of goblet fire but he still doesn't idolize her especially like in these like you know all of the chapters in this book is very much like and then lily existed (laughs) like he just remembers yeah anyway but he like yeah looks up to them a lot idealizes his dad especially which i understand because a he's a child but b I think definitely as an adult, you recognise that thing. And this is going to sound absolutely a horrible thing to say. But when people die, you kind of... Obviously, it's natural. You only remember their good parts. You, yeah. you, 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 you but only... also, he was literally like a baby. <laughs> yeah, but because what he knows about them is through what everyone else told him. Oh, yeah. But what everyone else told him, apart from Snape, is only the good things. And this is a completely natural and normal thing to do yeah. when someone dies, is you only bring up the good things. They're, an, they're you know, they're an angel. They're there. They're, You're because, not going to be like, oh, they're oh, a, right a bit of a bitch, weren't they? <laughs> this is totally a normal thing to do. But therefore, what it's done is because Harry is young and didn't know them in real life, mm. it all comes crashing down on him when he realises, like, yeah, he's got some things to work out with that memory. Yeah, James wasn't the best person at 15, but he was human and not yeah. a inherently bad person. But yeah. Harry has never had to confront the fact that his dad might be a human being with flaws. He's only had to be like, he is a hero who stood up to Voldemort, who died for me, who faced him three times, who sacrificed himself. Yeah, He's never had to deal with this before. And it's a huge growing moment for him. I think, like, the Harry going into book six is a very different Harry. And a lot of that comes from the death of Sirius. But I think a huge amount of it comes from working through this memory. Yeah, I agree. When he's also thinking about this memory, the worst bit of it is he worries that James forced Lily into marriage. Shouldn't be really uncomfortable to read that Harry had to go through that thought process. But also, it's really sexy for Harry, like... 
how how could he he force her into like she's a sentiment sentient human being well like with her maybe, own free will yeah but she got pregnant like 20 oh, yeah. maybe he had to maybe what jk rowling has hinted at here that he had to go through the processes of okay maybe they had sex they didn't like each other got pregnant and james is kind of like well you gotta marry me now pregnant yeah i, I don't think harry is intelligent enough to have that like chain of thoughts <laughs> but it's a horrible thought for him to have to go through because he's like my mum hated him yeah <laughs> my hated this man but then i suppose like again it's that thing of seeing a snapshot of them and if like harry knows perfectly well that ron and hermione fancy each other but if you were to see a snapshot of them day-to-day life he'd be like how could the two of them ever get together they hate each other do you know what i yeah. mean so harry's like moping about in the library isn't he and then Ginny comes Mm. and gives him a parcel and it's an easter egg from mrs weasley and harry in his words is like horrified to find himself tearing up and oh this broke my heart this broke my heart i say it once again jk rowling let the man cry i mean right to give him some credit I don't want to cry in the middle of a library at school. <laughs> it's not just a man thing, I don't think. Mm. I do also like wonder if this is kind of the beginning of him like starting to fancy Ginny Absolutely. before he even realises so, it. Yeah, so I have a lot of notes on this because a lot of people say that the fancying Ginny comes from nowhere in book six. And in some way it does and it's poor writing. I'm not going to defend that. But in other ways, I really do think that this bit here is really the beginning of Harry fancying her and not realising because yeah. on top of the he's crying without knowing which number one he's crying because he can't understand why he's crying and like well he's so, like tearing up yeah tearing up and to unpack it as an adult is because Mrs Weasley is a mother figure and he is now having to face the reality of his mother figure his, his actual mother who he never met not being the person who he imagined in his head and suddenly this mother figure yeah. is giving him the love he's never had from a mother so he's crying mm-hmm. Ugh, hate it. but um number one yeah he tears up in front of Ginny, but then he talks really really easily to her and his own in his own words opens up about things he hasn't been able to with ron hermione and like this is totally harry liking her without realizing it but it also shows a side of their relationship if you compare it to cho yeah that, that harry never had with cho and also it shows a side which he doesn't have with ron and hermione which is really nice to see him like he, their talk here is so natural there's nothing awkward about it it, se- it seems really really just nice and unforced and it's actually really it's it's just nice to read like apart from the fact he's nearly crying the whole time <laughs> yeah I just i don't mind that he's almost crying i just mind that he's like oh no i cannot cry in front of this woman please no um yeah i, yeah, I really like this conversation i think i think you're absolutely right i think yeah. like there's he- even the line that he looks at Ginny and feels hopeful which like I know it's okay because like for the context of that like he basically says to Ginny like oh like I want to speak to Sirius and she's like oh we could arrange that yeah. so I know that there's like the meaning of oh he feels hopeful that he's gonna get to speak to Sirius but I feel like there's also a double meaning to Definitely. it I just like how easily they talk about yeah. about emotional things Harry is opening up to her and yeah. doesn't realize how but easy it's also because Harry's just like this is Ron in a wig <laughs> <laughs> I don't know he hasn't been able to talk to Ron about it yeah but yeah, true. But... It's Ron in a wig without the emotional baggage because Ron has a lot of emotional baggage. 
Oh, Ron. <laughs> I don't get why Ron is as fucked up as he is. Like, I understand that you don't have to necessarily have, like, a reason that you can have a happy family and a good upbringing. And, like, obviously, He's like, he bullied was... bullied by Fred and George badly. I... Yeah, but that doesn't... That explains its self-confidence issues. That doesn't explain the entire other train wreck of his personality. <laughs> Most of it comes like, from his self-confidence I get issues. the bullying and I, I get that, you know, he grew up in poverty, but I, I just, aside from that, I'm like... <laughs> aside from <crippling laughs> poverty and bullying, what the fuck's wrong with you, mate? No, I just don't feel like the majority of, like, the way that he is. Like, just him being, like, completely emotionally stunted and just emotionally unintelligent, I feel like... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is also something I'm saying after several drinks, but, like, I just don't feel like there's, like... I don't know. I feel like some, no, I, someone that is, like, really, like, knowledgeable in this area right now is going to come at me and be like, it's because when you grow up in, in poverty and nothing is ever, like, stable or or sure and it, you know, X, Y, Z. In the che- I, like, I'm sure there's some actual therapist reason, but I'm just like, for God's sake, man, pull it together. Especially when it's, it's probably like, also... Just, you, know, you know, it's probably also the... um. Year after year trauma he has to go through. <laughs> I don't know, by the end of every year where like an, an evil dark wizard tries to kill his best friend, like the best friend who's got like a brother to him. It's probably also that. I don't know. I, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just saying I'd be fine. <laughs> like, no, but, like I agree with you in the sense that a lot of Ron's, uh, I, can, I can see where a lot of Ron's issues come from, but a lot of them are just like, especially when it gets to book six, grow the fuck up you're nearly yeah. an adult and get the fuck over it like yeah. i understand it in book four when he yeah. uses it, harry like, but by book six early book seven although i love it from seeing a character development point i like that he has to come to the realization himself in book seven to get over it yeah I, because he was born with this he just has to deal with it yeah and I'm not saying that Ron should be a perfect person or has to be a perfect person. That's quite frankly, like, unrealistic. Apart but, from you are, of course, a perfect person. Obviously, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> no problem. Um, but I just think that the way that he is is sometimes disproportionate <laughs> to, to, to Harry, who has actual trauma. <laughs> yeah, and to just, like, everyone else in life ever. It just, like, I think why it irritates me is, like, beyond any kind of, like, reason. Because fair enough, I take it back. He does have reason. I think just in my own life, I know so so many of these, like, privileged white men. And don't get me, I know he comes from poverty, blah, blah, blah. But he's still, like, privileged in many, many ways. Oh, yeah. Like, he, they come from a poor background because they have a thousand children. <laughs> um, <laughs> Realistically, like his dad is like the head of a department. And also, you can multiply food. What is the issue here? (laughs) But like, you know, he still is like, like a straight white cis man that you know realistically doesn't come from like that like harder background. So I just. I don't know. I just know so many of these men in real life that just like, it's like, you know, when men get dumped once when they're like 15 and then they're just like, they'll be like 27 and like, oh, I just, I've been burned so much in the past. I'm just not sure that 
I'm ready for a relationship because I'm just so like it's and you're like you got dumped when you were 15 now you're really saying that you got trust issues like it just wrong gives me those vibes where it's just like really disproportionate and it's like obviously he has been through actual shit you make a very good point being you know that his best friend almost dies every single year like he has actually been through some real shit but at the same time like his entire vibes are like issues he's watched harry die like three times it's fine i just like his entire energy is the energy of like that man that has never had a like real problem in his entire life so everything seems awful to him and i know that he does actually have it's unfair to say because he does have some real issues but i'm just saying that's his energy you know it's like he's next to harry who harry doesn't deal with things well but like relic when you compare compare it to ron he deals with things really well also they're both next to Hermione and they're both like meow 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 and Hermione's walking around with actually being persecuted towards the end <laughs> for race issues and they're like meow 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 me and Hermione's always chill and just being like yeah you know people hate me and want me dead because of my birth but I'm the chill one in this trio <laughs> yeah like she's literally getting like slurs yelled at her and, and I- like whoa is me me. <laughs> yeah, and then Harry's in the corner being really emo but not letting himself cry <laughs> and never saying anything in a conversation. Has Harry ever said anything that doesn't relate to the plot? <laughs> or to himself? <laughs> or to himself. <laughs> oh, I don't know what this turned on dunking on the trio. Um, but also, this is where we get really fucking cool Ginny. And like, I'm not saying this in the way where Ginny doesn't have flaws because she does, but she doesn't have as many as the main trio. She is kind of written as like... But also because she's not elaborated on that much. No, no. She's elaborated on more in the later books, but yeah. But this moment where she's like, you know, the thing is, growing up with Fred and George, you start to believe anything's possible. This is the moment where Harry falls in love with this girl. And I fall in love with her. I mean, hell yeah. And she's come back. She's holding a bruise rep and she's windswept. I'm like, sexy as fuck. Yeah. Part of me slightly, I will just say, slightly dislikes it on one level in that it feels very reminiscent of the line in every hashtag strong woman film ever where she's like, of course I know how to fight. I have brothers. It, it, <laughs> you know, every yeah. film ever. So like, it slightly gives me the ick because it feels slightly like that. It's sure. not that she knows how to stir shit up and like do shit herself. It's because she grew up with friends. So like that, yeah, yeah. that slightly gives me the ick, but so I'm going to let it slide just because I'm like, oh yeah, she, oh, sorry. I'm just, I'm just fancying my head cannon Ginny. In the main reason I like it is because she didn't, she didn't make a fuss about wanting to, go into Quidditch she just fucking did it and is fucking brilliant at it like she yeah. just fucking did it I just love it and then Harry's like whoa you're windswept off a broom you've brought me an easter egg from your mother who Literally. is reminding me of my dead mother yeah. and also he's just seen Lily at Ginny's age and can and the we hair just color. point out that oh, Ginny no. looks like Lily can we talk about can we Freud would have a lot to say. say. Like, I know that Freud is like a nonsense also, trash there being. There really but... aren't that many pure ginger people in the UK. And Harry's Let alone like, when you then narrow it down, down to, to the <laughs> wizarding population. Exactly. And Harry's like, my mother, my future wife, done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally, get the man into therapy. No, he found the one boy who made him feel at home and safe <laughs> and then fell in love with his sister. It's fine. So that his mother figure could then become, become his, his mother-in-law. Mother it's fine. 
boy is traumatised. Let him be okay. <laughs> and, and he fancies Ginny as well because she's a seeker and he's a seeker and he's obsessed with himself and he will only fancy Quidditch players. But remember, he could have caught the himself. snitch faster than her. Of course he could have. <laughs> if he didn't have anger issues from all that fucking therapy that he needs and beat someone up and got chucked off the team. Anyway, um, all of this all of this talk is because Harry wants to talk to Sirius and I wrote, ah, oh my God, the mirror, which I'll get onto again in a minute. It's late that evening and they've been left career pamphlets. And like, my first thought was, oh my God, they're so young to be left career pamphlets. And then my next thought was, no, no, no. You were this age when you had to decide to narrow down the subjects. Apart from this lot, get to pick five subjects and we only got three to four. So they actually get a, a better choice than us. Um, the UK education system is just fucked the older I get. You just have to narrow it down so early. Yeah. But it's even more, I think, uh, apparent here because the wizarding world don't have a formal higher education system. Mm. There is clearly on-the-job training for most things, but yeah. they don't have a formal higher education system. It started to piss me off because, okay, a few things about their conversation they're having. So they're looking at pamphlets to do with careers. And, like, they're, number one, there's never any information about what higher ed- education this lot need. It seems like for some subjects they do, for some subjects they don't. But what becomes immediately obvious is that for some subjects they need owls that Harry and Ron, for example, haven't taken. So to work as muggle liaison, they need a muggle studies Mm. out that's kind of obvious and presumably if you're muggle born you can bypass that but like that's pretty obvious but to be a curse breaker like bill is they need arithmancy but they weren't given this pamphlet that said to be a curse breaker they need arithmancy until now like i i don't know if they were given the same similar pamphlets when they Mm. took they when they made their owl choices but like ron's like oh you could do that hermione i'm like what if you wanted to do it and you couldn't because you hadn't taken arithmetic but also to point out some of the jobs that are mentioned healer okay fair enough healer all right training security trolls that seems niche to me not gonna lie we never see security. Where are they? Because they're not Gringotts. Where, if the school doesn't and the bank doesn't, where has security trolls? Next one. Cultivating fungus. How many people in the wizarding world cultivate fungus for there to be a pamphlet on it? That, I mean, they've got a weird economy. <laughs> like, I can only assume that, like, it must be a very common potions ingredient. And that... That's true. You raise a good point. But, like, even that seems extreme for it to have, like, a... Pamphlet. Like, yeah, wild. 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 Anyway, friend George arrived to talk about Sirius and how they're going to get Harry to talk to him. And they say they're happy to cause a diversion because they've been chilling out over Easter because they don't want to disturb people. But it's now time to wreak some havoc again. Mm. And in this conversation... Hermione's like, how are you going to get into her office then? And Harry's like, oh, Sirius gave me a knife last Christmas. Ah! (laughs) At this point, I nearly threw the book across the room. I was like, so you've remembered the knife that Sirius gave you a year and a half ago? And at no point do you think, what did he give me this Christmas? Exactly. How did it not then go, oh, wait, he did give me something this Christmas that maybe I I should contact him with? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Oh, I think I'm about to realise it as we come to the next few chapters. But I think in this book it hits you the most how childish these children... Okay, (laughs) let me... In the first few books they were children's books. Mm. So therefore they seem childish. This book 
feels more like a young adult adult book Mm -hmm. but some of the decisions that they made and we already talked about it with the da and them forgetting to add like something to alert them something to wipe the paper and all of these decisions and then this not remembering the present and it's coming up in a few chapters this this decision making that they go through of how to get to the ministry feels extremely childish compared to the next two books and i think it's good because it shows us this stark contrast of the adult war that they're fighting in and the fact that this lot still children yeah but, but the lack of him remembering the mirror wanted me to d- d- it, tear my hair out it's quite convenient isn't it i I don't think it's realistic i think it is realistic do you think you forget every single thing in life i think it's realistic when do you ever remember anything you make a good point I'm withdrawing a lot of statements. <laughs> this it's normally when I proof listen. Yeah. I'm like I don't agree with that. But no, I love when Charlie messages me when she proofs is like I don't know what I was saying. I disagree with myself. <laughs> Sometimes I have the worst opinions and I just listen. <laughs> or like I just forget some like key bit of information and I think I just talk out of my ass like which I know I do. But I I I with I yeah <laughs> I with I yeah <laughs> I um, withdraw my prior statement. Hermione tries to tell Harry not to do this, not to break into Umbridge's office, but Harry is pretty determined. So the day he's going to break into his office, he goes to a potions lesson and Snape smashes Harry's potion. And he's just ignoring him like he's a fucking child. He's just ignoring him. He's the entire such a child. Like, this man is such a child. This man has so many issues. If we want to talk about emotionally stunted men, <laughs> we've got to drag down Snape. Like, we're trying to drag Ron, but as far as we know, Ron, Ron turns out to be a decently functioning adult. Snape is not a decently functioning adult. He's really not. So then Harry goes to divination. Then he remembers he's got his careers counselling. And in the book's words, he hurtles back upstairs to his career counselling. Is this a mistake in my edition? <laughs> Did not pick up on it. Okay. You should have texted me. Uh, yeah. Um, can anyone else... Can, <laughs> I'm making the readers, do, listeners do the work. In your editions, I mean, does it say Harry hurtles back upstairs to his career counselling? Because would anyone like to explain to me how from a tower he gets upstairs to McGonagall's second floor office? No, he's not. Because he's friends. <sighs> Look at you. So smart. Look at me remembering something about Harry Potter that you didn't. He's with <laughs> friends. He's with friends. It does make sense. It, it does, does make sense. Oh, I'm so sorry to rob you of that. No, I, I am so happy. Because I'm most, you know why I'm happy. Why? I'm happy because now, hopefully, we're not going to get a bunch of tweets telling us. Uh, okay, like don't get me wrong. I love. I absolutely love it when people like send us corrections. I do. I absolutely love it. But only do it if it's within 24 hours of the yeah. Because otherwise, out, you're otherwise... joining like 20 other people. It's when and we do it a year later, and I'm like, yes, thank you, for, thank you, thank you. <laughs> we, we we do love it. No, my favourite one that people still do, which I absolutely adore, is people still to this day guess what house we're in when they start the first oh, episode. No, but I, and I, I love, love it. That. I love it. I no like, give it to me. No one ever gets it. No one ever gets it. No one gets both. Some people get one. No one gets both. I love it. They often guess I'm a Ravenclaw, which I do give off Ravenclaw energy you in this do, podcast. I do. I feel like you on the surface level give off Ravenclaw and then yeah. you get to know you and you're like, what a jock. <laughs> 
<laughs> what a jock who doesn't exercise. <laughs> By the way, we what didn't. We you... should have said this at the start of the episode, but the picnic was fucking incredible. Oh my god, yeah, the picnic was great. We haven't even talked about the picnic. We had like it was so well. So many people. Wasn't turned a up. picnic. Wasn't no, no, a picnic. no. So it rained then, but we ended up at a student union, and it was so good was and so, so cheap. Um, massive shout out to Nikita who like helped us like find Source somewhere to go it, yeah. last minute when it was raining, and. It just was so lovely. Like, I can't even... I'm really bad at, like, being earnest and expressing myself. It just felt, like, not um, awkward and normal. And that was, like, the best it could have been. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it just felt like I was hanging out with people. Yeah. And there was a guy called Mario who did a... Li- like literal a, magic show? A literal magic show. He brought magic and did magic. I wanted to burn him as a witch. Um, you did try to. I did. I did. I did get my lighter out. No, but oh, I just, yeah, I'm really bad at like, I feel like whenever I try, not even try and sound earnest, whenever I'm being earnest, I feel like I sound really like the opposite. I, mm. I just sound like really, I don't know. I think I'm just self-conscious, but like it was absolutely magical to it meet was. everyone. And it meant so much that so many people, like it was insane. So many people turned up and it went so well and it was so much fun and me and hannah got so drunk and there is a vlog coming to patreon oh yeah there's a vlog um, coming to patreon where like not much was filmed at the picnic but me and charlie continued to drink afterwards oh. and she sent me a clip the next day and i genuinely couldn't watch it from secondhand embarrassment of myself at one point i'm trying to show how far i can <laughs> spread my legs All while I'm standing saying is up was a lucky man and butt shaking <laughs> like i was like Look at me! She literally spread her legs and started to like gyrate. <laughs> I thought it was cute. It was really What I cringe. want you to do when you edit it is like freeze frame everyone that's walking past us and looking at <laughs> Please, every single person, I want you to find and zoom in on their face going, <sighs> Yeah. Dude, so Harry goes to his career counseling with McGonagall. Can I just say? Yes. This is one of the chapters that I have been looking forward to since we started the podcast. Like, just to have us discuss it. Like, I have been so excited. Uh, There are so many of my notes in capitals with love hearts scrolled around them. It's it's quite Most of my notes are uh, are either pew, 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 or... (laughs) I think we're just going to be reading the chapters basically verbatim. I just... It just perfection some of the, the best writers so good so good I treasure it so ha- inject it into, into my, my veins. veins so harry says he wants to be an aura and mcgonagall to her credit is she actually comes in with the best level possible she's like she doesn't say you can't do that but she's like you're gonna have to work hard yeah. kid like she is a really good and in a non-judgy way exactly it's not like she you're not doing ex- good enough she's like you need to put the work in before we start talking about how iconic she is and everything else She's a really good educator. She's yep. not putting him off the subject. She's not putting him down, but she is really giving him realistic expectations. She like looks at what yep. he's studying and says, you need to improve in my class. You need to improve in and Snape's class. And says where he's doing well. Yeah, says where he's doing of well. Of course you can't judge him the amount of shit he's been through. No wonder he's not doing living up to his potential when yeah. everything he goes through. But she gives him very realistic expectations and says he will need to do studying outside school. Like, she's a good career counsellor. I never had career counselling, but this is this is very good. Yeah, really so good. She talks through the grades he needs. I don't understand why in Hogwarts, well, I do understand because it's Hogwarts, the teachers individually get to set the entrance grade into their higher level subject. So Snape sets an outstanding when every other teacher set, sets and exceeds expectations. Yeah. 
corrupt. Or I think Flitwick even sets an acceptable. Yeah. It's corrupt. It's not fair. You can't set it. It's also just a sign of a bad teacher. It's like, okay, so you don't think you can improve someone's grade? You can't teach. It's not good. Not good. Yeah, not good. But the individual teacher shouldn't be allowed to set it because, like, literally, you're keeping people from being certain careers, from being healers, from being. You can't Mm. be a healer without potions. You can't be an aura without potions. Yeah. No wonder there's been no new auras lately. (laughs) But what if. Because presumably, when you're a healer, it's only in certain types of healing or certain levels where you're the one making the potions. Yeah. So what if you could be a great healer? And yeah, potion making might not be your strongest point, but you therefore yeah. like train like around. medicine as well, you have different specialities. Exactly. You have different Aside specialities. Aside from if you're in Grey's Anatomy where you're a surgeon and yet you do everything, everything else. Like, everything else. Like literally like a, a fu- doctor and like a GP and just I a normal hospital. I have fully got Charlie addicted to Grey's Anatomy to the point where she's caught me up and it's brilliant. Yeah, it's... I'm loving it's, life. <laughs> it's such a bad, bad show. show. <laughs> and I love a bad show. Take, so Charlie likes to text me things. And then because obviously if any of you have watched any Grey's Anatomy, obviously everyone dies. Not <laughs> Everyone dies at some point. So every time Charlie says she likes someone or something happens, yeah. I take a photo. And then when that person dies or something happens, I send her the photo I took when she said the original thing. Yeah. But the worst one being, and I won't say who so that we don't spoil it for anything for anyone but i have like since like season one and to be fair i don't even like i don't even when i was watching season one because i started it so many years ago i don't think we were even like talking about it then but when i kind of re-picked it up probably i think around season four but like literally since season one i have loved one character you know that does narrow it down because there's only like three characters who've been in it that long no it's fine carry on but okay maybe just skip a few skip a minute or so gray's anatomy from 10 years ago but i yeah i've loved one character the entire time so much loved them literally so much been talking to hannah the entire time about how much i love them how obsessed i am with them talking to her about all of their character development and loving them and loving the people that they are closest to and interact with in the series and then like something happens to that character and I just got to it and it was the best thing as well because I was really confused at first I didn't realize what was happening so I was voice noting Hannah just to be like did I tune out and miss something because I'm really confused and then like I think you realized where I was at the same time when I got to realize what was happening that like whatever was happening was happening and I was distraught and poor Hannah bless her I don't know how you kept a straight face listening to me I think I've been watching it and telling you about it for like a year now yeah you have all that time yeah. and you've known what was coming to yeah. my favorite character yeah, I, know. I i felt so bad for i you. went into it without knowing with it yeah yeah but like the fact that you had to listen to me talk about how yeah, much it, made, I me, it made me very sad <laughs> oh me man sad. i kind of wish you'd told me just like, no, no, no not tell me what happened but just be like temper your expectations stop watching <laughs> just stop <laughs> like i can't made you carry I'm, on i'm still upset Anyway, I don't know how we got into Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> healers, healers, yes. So the Grey's Anatomy doctors do everything. Anyway, so McGonagall talks Harry through the grades he needs, and Umbridge keeps interrupting, and McGonagall is so passive aggressive. It's brilliant. She's like, "Do you need a cough sweet?" Yeah. But she keeps calling her Dolores as well, which I love because she should be called. Because Dumbledore, who she was actually friends with, she only ever called Dumbledore or Headmaster in front of the other pupils, even though she probably called him Albus in day-to-day life, I'm assuming. Dolores, she calls Dolores. And even that is such a power move. Like, give it to me. Give it to me. 
Um, so yeah, McGonagall. She's talking about the crates. She yeah. So she's talking him through like the process of becoming an aura, and then Umbridge interrupts, and she's just like, "I just like I'm wondering if like Harry has the temperament to be an aura." And McGonagall just turns to her and goes, "Were you?" And then just continues <laughs> talking to her. And this is where my first pew pew. pew Why <laughs> isn't this in a oh, film? Give me magic. The thing is, even if Harry Potter is ever made into a TV show, we will never get the no. British icon that is Maggie Smith. Inject that woman you into my veins. You couldn't have had anyone else. She was perfect. Perfect. Saying, were you? Just like Maggie Smith. But I need her. What it needs to be. I need her and Imelda Staunton, who is also a fantastic yeah. actor. Her and Imelda Staunton just film this by themselves. Yeah. And But with me directing it. Right, okay. Because what I want to happen is camera cuts to Umbridge. <laughs> yeah, sure. In the corner of the room when she <laughs> says the yeah. line about, do you think he has a temperament? temperament? It then cuts back to McGonagall, but from the corner of the room so that it looks like you're... Umbridge. Umbridge, but you were the camera, which means that when McGonagall looks at Umbridge to say the line, it's like a Jim from the office moment. You want to do a break the fourth wall. She looks into the camera, but it's not looking into the camera because the camera is Umbridge. And then that's when she goes, were you? And then just looks away from the camera back to Harry. And then the camera switches again so that you break out of Umbridge. And then you see her reaction. Because I just want the gym looking into the camera, but without it being breaking the fourth wall. So the camera becomes Umbridge. Let let me and Hannah write and direct the Harry Potter TV show. Neither of us have written or directed before, but I have be so many good ideas. I have so many good yeah, ideas. Literally. I think tonally it might be all over the place, but I think it would be great. I, I feel like it would be written more as a comedy than it would anything no, else. No, I've got some great drama scenes. Like you do the comedy scenes, comedy, I'll do the drama. Comedy, tragedy, dra- drama. We We're going to be nail great. It. No, it's going to be great. It. We're going to be great. So then McGonagall starts talking about his grades and, oh. and, and she's like, oh, well, in Defence Against the Dark Arts, you've always got a good grade. And Umbridge is like, um, um, well, and, uh, if you look at my scores and she's like, what, this? And like, is like th- the paper. <laughs> I can't even talk. And then she's like, nah, never mind. And Umbridge is like, did you read it? And um, <laughs> McGonagall goes, in the scores set by a competent teacher. But she's literally like, sorry, I should have made my meaning clearer. Clearer. I mean, all defence against the dark arts grades set by competent teachers. Like, no one in the history of the universe has been scalped as brutally as this. (laughs) My notes read, McGonagall is 100% that bitch, an icon are you not scared of being fired? It's girl on girl crime. Like, ah. But seriously, this woman has the. Does McGonagall have whatever they call it in America, like tenure or something? Is she not scared of being fired? She is just like, try me, try me, bitch, try me. I think. As she, I mean, as she exemplifies later in a minute, she has, she does not believe that this is the status quo from now on. She knows change is coming. So I don't think she cares. Even if she gets fired, she knows she's coming back. I mean, mean, you say that worse happens to her in a few chapters and it's absolutely horrific. We don't talk about that. We don't acknowledge that. We skip past it. We're, We're not reading that bit. I hope you know. We're not. I just analysed it. I just made notes on it and I welled up. I was like, I am not ready for this. <laughs> I refuse. Can you just pretend to be me for that chapter? Okay, then. Just, you know when I did your voice in that intro? Yeah, but to actually do a decent job of it this time. 
You can do it when you're not trying. When you speak day to day, you do it. <laughs> in my life, I strive to be McGonagall. Like, yeah. I don't know who else you want me to be. We find out aura training takes three years, which is a good thing because they'll still only be 21 when they qualify. Doesn't seem old enough to me. No, considering you would think that that's like detective level if you were going to put it into like yeah, muggling. Muggling? So Aura is like, yeah, like I suppose like the MI5, but if you're going to compare it to like the police, I suppose the three years are when A-cap. you're like, A-cap, are like a constable. And then after that, you're then a, yeah, a junior detective. Yeah. Whatever that's called. I'm so glad like literally there was a point in my life when i wanted to study sociology at degree level which like i literally got in and got accepted and then denied i like i was that close and i was either gonna become a teacher Mm. or go into the police because this was when i was like a teenager and before i had that like level education about the police and also before like to me living my like very privileged like white middle class bubble before a Mm. lot of those kind of like stories reached me and i'm just like admittedly i only wanted to go into the police to become like detective level yeah i wanted to like work on murders so i would say that is at least within the police even though a cap but like it's the lesser evil yeah but you still have to like go through the ranks and like yeah. could you imagine me now with my political beliefs if i had like committed to that as a career like don't get me wrong i 100 percent would have like quit like a hundred percent would have but like could you imagine like having i mean to start you again? know how into just detective stories and detective police yeah. shows i am even though and every time i watch it, i'm still like i would love to be a detective but that's not saying that there aren't like the police isn't just the people on the streets there are many people's jobs who are in the police which serve a really good value and would be much better use if their jobs were redispersed into other departments that have different budgets and different priorities like yeah because there are like sociological profilers and things within the police which do yeah. great work without being dickheads and would just be yeah. better if budgets and things yeah. were re- the budget just out. need to be restructured so yeah. that it's towards like actually like targeting the root of the issue yeah. to prevent crime as opposed A-cab to punishing doesn't crime. mean get rid of the police it means just restructure the whole thing oh my god mm. and also it just means it cops bastards because yeah, <laughs> they are but yeah, related like, to a lot of them we're they not are. saying like forensic people who work for the police are bad people no they're like trained scientists who do like a good thing although science isn't real but yeah moving on um no anyway they'll still be 21 when they're like junior detectives not old enough no not <laughs> too old young hogwarts needs a university yeah. system um umbridge says that harry will never become an aura basically because of fudge she goes through a load of other reasons yeah. his temperament his criminal, criminal record, record and then she Says, and like umbridge it's like a te- it's like a tennis match where umbridge just go criminal record hit it and then mcgonagall's like clear the charges hit it like and just the back and forth yeah. i love it but like so then she finishes with she'll he'll never become an umbridge with fudge and a that's corruption yeah. that is corruption yeah and B, mcgonagall is like well then maybe different bit of tragic and then she stands up the woman stands up and says that she will train Harry Knightley. She will make it the last thing she ever does to make sure this arrogant dickhead child is an aura. I love her. I love her so much. We have no choice but to stand. And the thing is, she does love Harry, but... At this point, it's not even about Harry. This is about her personal oh, yeah. fucking vent, like completely valid vendetta against Umbridge. 
But she's literally just like, this is... Harry is no longer even the topic of conversation no. here. When she's like... When she's saying, I will make sure he becomes an aura if it's the last thing I will do. It's not because she wants Harry... Obviously, no. she does want him to become an aura. But this is purely about wanting to prove Umbridge wrong. wrong. And I love her for I it. I love her for it. I couldn't love a character more. No. She is... I just... What's that like? Like that TikTok sandwich? Like she is the icon. She is the moment. <laughs> she is. She is. So then, um, McGonagall. No, Umbridge thinks that when McGonagall says that Fudge won't always be prime minister, that McGonagall wants Dumbledore as minister, and therefore then it becomes proper petty between the two of them when she says that you see yourself in my position as undersecretary, and like. But this is like pure politics where politicians' main desire becomes to keep themselves in power rather than actually benefiting the country and doing what's best for the country. And this happens with most fucking politicians. No, all of them. All, all of them. Is, because this is politics, politics. Because democratic politics in itself is the way we run it in modern society is corrupt means that all politicians become more concerned about the pr and their image and keeping themselves in power than about what is actually good for running the country and again although we hate jk rowling to put this in a children's book is just like mind-blowingly mm. clever like the way she put this in because Umbridge and Fudge are more concerned about their own position and about how they are perceived to the wild world about how Hogwarts is performing about how that is looked on about how making sure Dumbledore doesn't take power than actually forwarding society in yeah. any meaningful way but it's literally it's a perfect parallel with the text that Dominic Cumming released between himself and Boris Johnson mm. where Boris Johnson was asking him what to do entirely within the lens of like not what do we do how do we save as many lives as possible with the pandemic but entirely as in what do we do how do, do we, we like make spin this, this make us look as best as possible? Or what is this going to do to the polling figures? That was the entire everything yeah. in those texts were concerned with the PR and the polls rather not than the how do we of... say save lives? Yeah. And at what what point? Because you know I don't think it's I don't think that that's acceptable in day to day politics. Don't get me wrong. Like it should always be about like serving the country, serving the taxpayer, and doing the actual like good right demo, demo, democratic democratic thing. i can't speak thing but it's on a whole other level of fucked up when it's actually like people are dying and you're not thinking what is my next move to stop people dying you're thinking i don't care how many people die i care about how good it looks to bring it around to what's happening at the moment and and this is going to come across as uh, as in many ways kind of too serious and too real world to relate to harry potter but it, it, it it's more just this podcast is also topical. Is it? Is it? What's happening? In the, okay, obviously everything at the moment is happening with Afghanistan. And it is very clear that Boris and the government is more concerned about how it will look if we take in people who need our help thousands and thousands of thousands of Afghanistans need our help right now because we fucked their country up we fucked it up but because this country has an agenda of immigrants take our jobs immigrants take our money immigrants take this the politicians are literally letting people die out there because of how it will look to their core tory voters if we let too many immigrants in they are consciously letting people die right now 
in Afghanistan because of how it will look if we let... They're not immigrants, they're refugees. If they are going to die in the country they live in, they are not immigrants, they are refugees. I hate this country. (laughs) I've nothing to add because I couldn't agree more. It just... Politics nowadays is just concerned about the status quo and like we don't know enough about american politics but it was very clear from the trump administration that all he cared about was keeping in power and but it's just as well like she writes this stuff and i understand that the reason is because she got very fucking rich between writing this and now but i just i don't understand how her politics changed that much i mean she's writing this she's she's still politically and i put this in air quotes politically left wing i mean but she's not though she's not morally left wing no no no, but she's not even like politically like she's so blairite at this point and blairite Mm. is right wing like Mm. even like any semblance of the left wing that we have in in terms of actual like electable politics at the minute is right wing like she says that she's left wing but she's she's not she's right wing Mm. but she's just like not as I mean, I do think she's as right. She doesn't view herself as right as the Tories, but it's all one and the same nowadays. Labour, Lib Dem, Tory, like they're they're all right wing parties at the moment. Like they're all like they're all right of centre. Yeah. Anyway, Harry leaves. Harry yeets himself out of this conversation he had no part in because he's like, "Ah, women fighting. I'm leaving." <laughs> well, McGonagall also tells him to leave. Yeah. And they just continue to scream at each other. At the end of the day. The diversion happens and Harry goes to Umbridge's office. He lets himself in using the knife that Sirius got him and flues his head to Grimmauld Place. And uh, Lupin is there, but Sirius is upstairs. And I just wrote, Wolfstar. I literally was not into Wolfstar until this podcast. I know that sounds controversial for no, a Harry Potter fan. I agree. But I, I just wasn't somehow, a part of the community. I had just missed that part. But yeah, and also somehow, like, I never saw it no. when I just, like, read it Me as, neither. like, a child. And, like, no. since then, I didn't put that much thought into it. But now that I read it, I'm like, how I, did I miss this when it slaps I'm you in the so face? I'm so on the train. Actually, I'm so on the train. Could people send us their best Wolfstar fan fictions that aren't like I don't want like super sexual not that the, I do she does I don't not just personal preference not that I'm not that I'm judging I'd like something romantic and funny what would you like bussy cool if you could <laughs> send us those uh Wolfstar fan fictions uh thank you anyway yeah Lupin is just living there in the kitchen yeah. um and I just, mm. this entire part of the chapter is just so the gay. most in your face gay. gay. It's so gay. Like, all I was thinking, I was like, gay, 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 gay. 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 Anyway. Um, there is a mention of the fact that Creature's missing again or hiding in the attic. And though he hasn't been able to find him. How big is this attic? <laughs> most attics I've ever been in are like I imagine very it's small. full of junk. But even then. It must be a big house. You would find a living thing. Would you? Yes. Absolutely. I feel like the thing is, like, even if Sirius in his gut felt something isn't right, I don't think that he would admit it, both to himself and other people. Oh, no, I think he knows Creature's Missing by this point. Yeah, and I, I think he just doesn't want to admit it. Because he knows he's fucked up. Yeah. No, I 100% think he knows. Sirius calls Lupin down and Harry immediately explains the scene, gets, you know, tells them what he saw. But, but he's like, when he first says, like, oh, I want to talk about my dad, they both look surprised. And I'm like, why? You had to see that this moment was coming. Like, no, but the- maybe... That- 
To be fair, if his head appeared, I would think someone's died, Ron's died, Hermione's died. Like, uh, yeah. this is an emergency situation. I, yeah, I guess that's a good point. But yeah, they must have been expecting at oh, some no. point to I have think like, I would a serious this chat in about... person. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. and not as like some emergency. But yeah, I guess it is really extra that Harry's like head sticks out of the fire and is like, Can you tell me about, about my, my dad? dad? <laughs> <laughs> so, Sirius and Lupin are... Uh, are trying to justify the scene. But they get really reminiscent about their old friend. And And they also romanticise... They romanticise the scene so much and it's so heartbreaking when one of them says, was he doing that thing with his hair? I was like, oh God, my heart. You know why why this seems gay to me? Because it's literally, it's that gay couple... that are like remembering that old straight friend that like the way that he would like catch the snitch and would constantly be staring at the girls and like ruffling up his hair and they were just there just indifferent just in love with each other and now that they look back on it as adults as like an adult gay couple and they're just like oh oh silly straight friend that was doing that like I I literally I love it so much but yeah and like I don't know the thing is like I'm not really aside from like one person I'm not really friends with anyone that I was in high school Mm. and I also dislike myself a lot from high school (laughs) so I I I don't really I can't exactly say that I relate to this but I think that I can imagine relating to this if that makes sense of like you know that you're all like twats in high school and you can kind of look on it fondly I 100% relate see I I don't but I can picture a life in which I would yeah no I 100% I'm about to go on a weekend away with some friends from school and a lot of what we talk about is like we talk about day-to-day things but a lot of what we talk about is just like talking back on things or like talking about people who we went to school with and Mm. it it, it is just a part of it especially because you don't see each other that often I mean clearly these two are living together in a big gay love fest but um you don't see each other that often so you reminisce about things so it it, it is Mm. a big thing but they're romanticizing the moment so much but but something that we do learn which is important to the context is harry only saw that like small moment but they both mention that snape was very big into the dark arts and they say Mm. whatever james was he was against the dark arts which i think is very important context the snake was going around using like illegal made-up curses that does not justify james's actions but like somewhat go in a way to explaining them because james is very against the dark arts they explain that James and Lily started going out in the seventh year. And from the age we know they had Harry, they were married like a year later. <laughs> yeah. It's... I, I Either either J.K. Rowling thinks wizards and witches are super traditional and old-fashioned, or she really doesn't know how to count time. <laughs> I kind of think she doesn't know how to count time. That or when she originally wrote their ages she hadn't put enough thought into it so then later on she had to put this kind of thing in and was like oh shit that makes it happen really quick but I've got no other choice because I said that before yeah there are like some justifiable things with like it being wartime and things like that and you rush into things because you might die like they were literally both in Dumbledore's army but, but then still... I just don't think that your instinct is like it's wartime let's get pregnant Harry was an accident you cannot convince me otherwise don't try to convince me otherwise <laughs> I'm not going to, because quite frankly, who would want to have Harry? (laughs) So, yeah, but yeah, these two are just like, was he ruffling his hair? He was so big headed. He was such an idiot. He deflated his head a bit. He didn't bring Snape with him and curse him in front of Lily. It's just so... How polite. They just... But also, my happiness that these two got to spend a year together. They found each other again in whatever Mm. context. 
and got to spend a year together again. Yeah. Like, it should have been more than a year. They should have spent the rest of their lives together. But they didn't because they had to die for Harry. And get into a heteronormative relationship for no reason. Um, Did Sirius get killed off because of the gay? No, no, that was that was Lupin getting into heteronormative because the 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 whole theories came between this book and the next one, didn't it? Something I was thinking about when I was reading this was because obviously we talk a lot about how like Sirius never got to mature and he's so childish as he is because of what he went through and then I was thinking about like Lupin and his maturity despite the fact that although he went through it in a different way he still went through like an equal amount of trauma where it's like as far as he knew two of his friends died mm. and the other one betrayed and uh, in reality it was one betrayed one died one got imprisoned and he was a werewolf and he was like like completely ostracized from society so it's not like he could go and make more friends mm. and he was just like as far as we know he was pretty much just like homeless and just like couldn't get a job didn't have any friends didn't have any family and was just what did happen to his family that's a good point but like just floating and existing and apparently just being homeless until then he got taken on as like a teacher yep and you think that it's like he's so mature but he went through like probably an equal amount of trauma to serious yeah i always find lupin more mature than the rest of like more mature than his age in my head lupin feels like a like a 40 year old he kind of like had the opposite reaction to serious whereas serious got stunted whereas he matured a lot more than like a 30 year old should Should. be i guess almost 40 but i think again this plays into the wall star thing because i'm a big believer in relationships your opposites and Mm. i i I think that that makes a lot of sense but i also just think it's like such a magical thing because i think for serious it was kind of like his life paused and when he came back obviously he had still gone through like a massive amount of loss but in some way he still picked up quite a few things from where he was whereas for lupin he actually went through the complete loss of everything from his friends to his job to just his entire lifestyle and was just floating about for 12 years or whatever yep and then slowly started to get things back like got a job back and then got one of his friends back and like and his boyfriend back and you know slowly like the things came back and i just think that that like for serious it paused whereas lupin he he knew because it didn't pause it completely stopped he kind of knew what he lost and then he got it back and that just makes me really emotional um really sad but like it's but i like, need sad, them to be a couple <laughs> it's like it's happy in this moment because it's like oh he got some of it back not all of it but he got some of it back after like that losing everything and then you're like i'm not gonna think about a few chapters time <laughs> literally like they fit so perfectly well together yeah ah oh, the pain this series could be called Hannah Gets On Board the Wolf Star Train. Yeah, literally, same. So Harry mentions that Snape has thrown him out of occlumency and, and Lupin and Sirius are so angry like dads. They're just like, oh, I'm going to go up there right now. And then Lupin is like, no, no, no. But they're like parents. It's, it's yeah. so adorable. The absolute himbo energy of this. I said dad energy. But like, no, but himbo energy. All right, like, enough. I just... I love it so much. It's so dumb. What do you think you're going to do? What do you think you're going to do? But he actually stands a wanted up. criminal man. Yeah. You're going to walk into a school like, yo. <laughs> I just, I'm going to tell you off. I just, himbo. Absolutely live for himbo. It. Live, living for it. And I just picture like Lupin just like taking his hand and no, pulling no, him no, down. No, 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 sit down. No, no, no. But Harry has to leave because F- Filch comes in uh, to get the approval for whipping 
Harry manages to hide in time and he follows Filch down to the entrance hall where it turns out the diversion was Fred and George turning a corridor into a swamp. Iconic. Iconic. Uh, but they have been caught, unfortunately. They seem to have a pre-prepared exit speech, which I fully believe they practised in their dormitory. Oh, yeah. They, like, are bouncing. And I know they bounce off each other naturally, but they are fully like, well, George, la-la-la-la-la-la. Mm. Like, it's very pantomime. You two practised this. And then they, both... and they But they got Lee to watch as well and, like, give feedback, right? <laughs> Yes. But Lee was probably crying, like, I'll come with you. And they were like, yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> Fuck you, Lee. <laughs> yeah, want to talk about a thruple? Poor Lee. It literally says in the next chapter he seems deflated without oh. them. He lost his best friends. Yeah. Poor Lee. They summon their brooms in one motion and they come Bursting through to them. They they climb on their brooms, sweep into but, the air. <laughs> and they do a little sales pitch as well, where they're like, What These, is it? They like offer people a discount and they like, use discount. them on them. Yeah, they're like, and then and then they turn it is to the p- best guerrilla marketing that's ever been done. <laughs> so good. Then they say the exact address of their premises. <laughs> turn to peace. Premises. Premises? Yeah. Premises. <laughs> turn to peeves and say give her hell for us sweep out into the sunset to applause and i'm just ha so good so good so good it's the equivalent of like the like scene in any tv show or film or whatever where someone loses their shit at work and quits on the spot with like yeah. a massive it's that. Yeah, and everyone you dream actually of doing stands it. up. You absolutely dream of one day doing it. Honestly. I so almost did it in my last job every day for the last but like, I don't, three months. But I don't feel doing it over Zoom has the same impact, Charlie. It doesn't. That's why I didn't. No. I don't feel people can stand up and applaud you if you're over a Zoom call. No. No. So iconic, but also so cheesed up. Like Harry's like, the sunset, the applause. But my last note was, can you imagine if you were in the fucking loo when this happened? <laughs> Imagine if you miss this shit. Oh man, yeah, I'd be so pissed off, and it would be just my luck to miss this sort oh, of thing. Oh, hundred percent. The end of this chapter. It is. We have a question. We have a question. Tell us the question, Charlie. This question is from Simon, who Simon. says so. Since I somehow really enjoyed the beginning chapters of the Harry Potter books, aka before we get to Hogwarts slash chapters from another person's point of view. <laughs> I wanted to ask what kind of sequences you two really enjoy that may be less magical than everything past the first few chapters of any of the books in brackets and maybe therefore special in their own ways. Okay, actually, I actually do mean, I do know what he means and I do have an answer to this. And Wait, I wasn't... can you explain to me what he means because I don't understand. He means bits that aren't like like heavy magic, like not the end of the books where it's all about the magic or like the big thing. Like what chapters or sequences do you just like that are maybe random? We all know that I love the other minister. Yeah. It's maybe like my favorite chapter in all of the books so i have a chapter that i wasn't going to reveal till book seven i don't know why i was keeping it like a fucking spoiler but i have this bit i absolutely love and it's honestly one of my favorite bits of harry potter and it's when they're hiding in grimmauld place and harry comes back from the ministry and ron and hermione are in the kitchen and he's like i've got news and you're not gonna like it and then they just chat because it fully doesn't feel like Harry Potter or like, or like they're a thing anymore. It just feels like they're three people living together. 
Like yeah. they're friends living together. And and it gives me this sense that like they'll all live together after school with Ginny for a few mm. years. I don't think they individually move into their couple straight away. I think they live together, the four of them. Is that all weird if Ron can hear Harry nailing his sister through the wall? It's a big house. They're in Grimmauld Place. There's floors. You've just established the attic is 10 miles long. <laughs> it just makes me think that like, because they deserve some time just as friends and just to like get along. But there's something about that passage, that chapter in particular the all that beginning of that chapter that doesn't feel like harry potter and they feel like adults that's what it is they feel like adults in that chapter yeah. and I, and there's something about it that i really enjoy but you guys know from this podcast how much i love sequences that aren't about harry or the plot like there's... i mean we both do literally there's this entire podcast is us like clinging on to even half a sentence that isn't about Harry. Literally, literally. I was like, there's a bit in the next chapter, which I'll mention now because I probably won't go on about in the next chapter, but where like Hermione falls over in the forest and Harry like picks her up from the floor and it's not even about anything, but it just feels so like friendly and nice. He's just like, he caught her and put her back on her feet. And I'm like, Mm. they're just nice people. You know, I don't care about the magic. Just tell me about these nice people. Yeah, but no, I, I my favorite bits and are, are not about the magic and about the random shit. Like yeah. we went on for so long about how one of my favorite ever passages was the bit after Harry kisses Cho and that conversation yeah. in front of the fire because it's got nothing to do with the plot. Nothing one in the to do with the plot. I hate it in the film. They just laugh too much about nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say that bit in Grimmauld Place, that bit in front of the fireplace, two of my favourite passages, sequences ever. Yeah, The Other Minister is one of my favourite chapters of all the books. I can't, you know what I say, I can't wait for us to get that, but I don't actually know what I want to discuss in it. I'm just like, I just like the chapter and I feel like I'm going to get to discussing that and I'm going to be like, I liked this chapter. I think we will (laughs) be so invested in the fact that chronologically time-wise it's Tony Blair and J.K. Rowling loves Tony Blair that we will spend so long analysing it as as it, it being Tony Blair. I wish with all my heart that it wasn't Tony Blair but that it was Gordon Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Just the idea of him. <laughs> like the only other politician that I would have taken it being for like comedy factor would have been Nick Clegg. <laughs> Nick Clegg. Same vibes. Oh, Nick Clegg. Like... I know that he never was, like, Prime Minister as such, but, like, if he had been, that... Oh, could you imagine? Anyway. Anyway, thank you, guys. Thank you, Simon, for that question, and thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. (laughs) Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. Veronica, Simon, Samuel, Matalib, Matt, Lewis, Catherine, Hannah, Emily and Alexia. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.